Before we get started, we're nearing our 30th episode of No Such Thing, and I want to pause and say thank you for listening. With this project, I set out to make something that would be important for educators of all kinds, for young people, for parents, for anyone who cares deeply about the future of learning. If you're liking what you hear, I hope you'll let me know on Twitter with a hashtag NoSuchThingPodcast. And take 60 seconds to rate and review the show wherever you downloaded it. The more you recognize the work, the more visible it becomes. And my hope is that the more we grow, the better chance I have for bringing more necessary conversation your way. As always, if you have show ideas, get in touch. This is the second installment of a two-part conversation between three K-12 stakeholders that may seem to some an unlikely trio. If you haven't heard part one yet, I encourage you to back up an episode. Akbar Cook is vice principal at Newark, New Jersey's Westside High. Matt Greenfield is a leading venture capitalist in education technology, and Taiwan Jones is a senior and about to graduate at Westside. The second part of this conversation dives into some topical issues related to gun violence which as some know well, is a very different issue in parts of this country than it is in cities like Newark, with two elements in common, guns and children. I hope that you'll listen long enough to know the difference between a walk out and a walk in, and to ask yourself, if technologies can simultaneously be tools of oppression and violence and freedom and liberation, then what is our role as a society, our duty to the young? Who are we if any one of us, anywhere, grows into an adult without the benefits of safety or having been empowered to live fully in a digital age? This is No Such Thing, a podcast about the promise and reality of learning with technology. I'm Mark Lesser. Taiwan, one of the questions I have for you is I I want you to... um, I want you to envision these four years differently. Like, let's say you were starting over. And resources were no issue. And I said, you know, Taiwan is going to lead uh, a, th- a think tank, right? Which is a fancy way of saying a bunch of people thinking about a problem. Okay. And I'm going to give him unlimited resources to re-envision what these four years are going to look like and how he's going to engage his peers and um, how he's not only going to get them through it, which is such a um, such a deficit way of thinking about four years of school mm-hmm. uh, but but thriving and and one or two years into school just contributing and knowing how uh, what they want to do with their future and what they want to do for their community and and how they see bringing Newark uh, to a place where they want to go to college and come back and continue contributing so so I set up that think tank. What are some of the things um, that you want to raise up uh, in Newark that are, you know, maybe the things that you already love about your community that aren't getting realized? Maybe they're the potential that you see in the young people around you that uh, is not getting the opportunity they need um, to have it emerge in the way that it might. Um, what is what is, what is some of the work of your think tank look like? Well. From I feel like everybody that grew up from where I'm from know how to survive. Like you just grow up to learn how to survive. So like I think like if kids come to like if you say if I start over, right? Like, yeah. So like for my first year, like you get the 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 teachers gotta touch bases with the kids 
that's first. Like, show them like the love they got for the kids. Like, forget the classroom part because that's what the that's the main part that kids dread. It's like just the classroom part, like doing work. Once you in school, you in school. They just dread coming to school because they got to do work. Period. Like, you just be like, damn, I gotta do this. I gotta essay too. But like. If you got like teachers that's making you want to like, oh, she making me want to come to school. Or he making me want to come to school because his classroom, like I'm engaged in class. Like I'm having fun. Like I don't mind coming to class because I'm having fun. I get to do this test. They making everything like seem easy, like making it easier for me and comfortable, making me comfortable, like all this comfortable. So like, and then like, oh, uh, like what's really the main thing though? Like when I was, t- what I was saying earlier, is like just finding them like a reason to want to come like. Like just finding that one reason for a kid to make them want to come to school, like it could be, and it could be anything. Like it could be a friend, it could be something a teacher said to them that made them think different. It could be, it really could be anything that make a kid want to come to school, like a girl, anything. Like they just got to get exposed, get exposure to it. So mm-hmm. it's like, so if I had all the, you said all the assets. All the resources you all need, the resources. So all the money you need. I'll build you a building, whatever you need. All right, all right. I got all that. First, first I'm gonna get. First, I'm gonna start off. I'm gonna greet all my kids in my environment, right? Yeah. So I'm first. I'm gonna greet all my kids. Make make them comfortable. Like, yeah, this this not your regular type of school. Like, you gotta let them know you different. Off rip, like let them know you different. Then I'm gonna try to. Warm them up to like bring them in, like let them know this is the comfort zone. Like y'all could y'all could always want to come here. Like it's gonna be something new going on every day. Like then, then going to like the classroom base wise. Like I have different outlets for different kids. So you still got your standard curriculum for like ninth grade, tenth grade. But it's like they could have they could go this outlet with a computer. They could go this outlet with sports. They could go this outlet with history or Whatever they management, whatever they want to do, cause we not we not we don't be, get exposed exposure to that until it's right in our face. Like once we graduate, dang credit. We was just talking about we was just talking about that oh, on the way here. Yeah. Talking about we was credit, credit cards. Credit cards. Like that's not something I'm really skilled at knowing, but that's gonna I'm gonna need to know, cause that once this is over, it's just gonna hit me in my face, and I'm gonna have to learn the hard way. Mm. Like so, it's like more of a like prepare a preparation. It's more of a preparation for. The real world, but not like a, not like a, I'm trying to think how I could say it. Take like, time. Like, we don't see it. We we don't see it at all. Like, we don't see it at all. We just think all school, ha, 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 key, key, key. We think we going to be kids forever. That's like a lot of kids think. Like, they don't know. Like, it's one of like all this stuff won't really hit us in our face soon as we leave out these doors of four years. When you say you don't see it at all, you mean reality? Yeah. We don't we don't really see reality at all. Like so it's my I'm gonna I'll be I'll be more of a like a a real life preparation person, like with my kids. Like I'm gonna prepare prepare y'all for the real world. Y'all gonna have the real necessary skills y'all need. So y'all won't be blind and going into it. And then still giving y'all the will to want to have fun and be kids, but not so strict and so stern. Mm-hmm. So, so Mark, can I, can I add to that? I wish you would, yeah. So 
I'll give you some examples of what Taiwan is talking about. Me just being a coach and just being just just the just 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 the, the face of the, the building at this point, right? As far as you know, trying to help the kids out and uh, just being on the front line with them. Um, I had a couple kids that were um, was getting a scholarship. They was going on a college visit. So they was flying out. I believe they was flying out to Georgia. Two of my kids were flying out to Georgia. They both was going to get a scholarship to go there, so it was there on a visit. So I pulled up, you know, gave them a hug, made sure they had some money in their pocket, and I was pulling off. They called me back, like, as soon as I was leaving out of Newark Airport and said, we don't know what to do. We don't even know where to go. And a lot of these babies, I asked Taiwan when he was coming, he said his father used to bring them to New York. They haven't been out the city. They really haven't been out. So it, it, it caught me off guard. So the next kid I took, I went inside with him. I had to part pay the thing, and I went in with him and made sure they knew. He was the biggest kid I had, about 6'10 kid, ain't know where to go. So, but that's what he's talking about. We, they, we, and, I, and I can't say that school we're not exposed. Like they don't, I asked him when we was doing this uh, waiver, did he not write cursive? A lot of our kids ain't write cursive. Like, it's just out of public school education. I don't know why. Like, they don't teach them cursive no more because they said that they're only going to need it for their signature. That's it. So, it, when if you never taught it to him, when is he going to know how to write a signature? So, mm. my kids now, when we go somewhere and they sign, they write in print. So, it's like a lot of the, the, the bare, like, life right stuff is not there anymore. And I don't know why. Like, but we just was talking about credit cards. And he, like he said, that's the first time. I, I mean, like, again, I told you I'll be all over the place. But that's what our kids are going through. If they haven't been exposed to it, which rarely it happens, we sending them off to, to their doom. I got kids that came home from school because they didn't have the 250 to pay for housing and never said anything. And they just home now. And I'm like, you ain't saying that for two fifty, like. But they didn't know that we could. It was a bursar to go to. They didn't know these names, like. That's where I, I, and I love the the, the 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 charter school model. They talking about college in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. I just went to. They talking about it. We not talking. We talking about. Did you eat? Are you are you good at home? Are you are you all right? Though I gotta drive you home at night, leave you on the do got bus tickets to get here. It's not the what all the other kids are talking about. It's different, mm-hmm. and that's what Matt was talking about in his article. They got something. It's so much of the we making sure they safe and secure that they not getting exposed to how to get on a taxi in New York yeah. or get on the pathway. Yeah, that is that is though uh, coming back to. Uh, the other technologies and and what things have the most return at Westside. One of the things I noticed right away when we did our tour at Westside, um, you guys have a bank in the yes. in the building. Um, those guys aren't doing credit uh, like workshops on credit and financial literacy. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's not everyone. If Taiwan is if his. It's about what he's thinking right now. We, we have to make him know that, that that's coming. Credit mm-hmm. cards are coming. Bank statements are coming. He got that phone. We doing everything with the phone. Now yeah. you put that Apple Pay right there and you go. It, it should be us. Though. Yeah. So some of them, yes. So we right now, we we the only school in New Jersey that has a student rent branch. So kids go with a junior year. We just got our first crew. Got about 12 kids. They go through the whole hiring process, interview and all of that. And they get picked that summer. They get placed in branches all across New Jersey and they work over the summer. When they come to school, they is they got one day a week. They got to work at the branch. It's open from 1130 to 330. And it's a capital to one bank. You go to, I cash my checks in there. I put money in my credit card. It's a real branch and our kids run it. And they are being taught financial labor. That's just a small pocket, mm-hmm. you know, and that's those kids that wanted to do that or yeah. maybe had that parent yeah. that was behind them say Taiwan do it everyone doesn't have that yeah. so it's yes we do have it it's amazing things I know I'm painting this west side picture like it's bad but it's some amazing things that are going on like I said we almost have a one to one ratio 
Sprint has came came to Newark uh, Public Schools and provided a tablet or a cell phone for the remainder of their school years for free. Right. Audible has came in, gave a tablet with one hundred and fifty books and a free credit every month. Right. And headphones. The kids say banging headphones. They the awesome headphones. Right. I got 56% of my kids came down and got those Audible books that are free. Yeah. 56%. I'm making an announcement every day. I said, I know you need it. <laughs> Come, it's free. Yeah. Give it to your little brother. Right. 56%. So it's like, are they scared? Oh, I got my phone. Why not have a tablet? Why not? It's 150 books on there. Right. I done downloaded Sun Tzu. I done downloaded whole, whole type of books on there myself. But it's like, it's that pride thing too. He said they're survivors. My city is survivors. But it's, that surviving is prideful too. I can't let Mark know that I'm doing bad over here. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to break down that barrier too, that pride barrier. Like, listen, it's a safe place. And the whole system is set up to, you know, continually be measuring kids and making them wonder, you know, Am I doing okay? Am I good enough? And what's the point of that, right? Especially when you just don't know um, at age 18 what someone is going to be capable of later in life. If you think you do, you just don't understand people. Yeah, I've never forgotten something that the former dean of Harvard College said. He said it's really hard to assess someone's long-term academic potential when they come up for tenure at Harvard at age 40. Like, which of these people are going to be the superstars and which ones are not? Yeah. Um, so you got to start with the assumption that every kid is meant to succeed and stop, you know, grading them and giving them assessments and keeping them back. You know, uh, whatever pace they're proceeding at, you support them. And um, that, that's, you know, the way the system is set up right now based on, ages and cohorts, um, let's say that you never really mastered um, uh, the uh, graphing um, of numbers on XY coordinates and uh, or linear equations or whatever, it's really hard to go back and remedy that um, hole in your knowledge the way the system works now. And you're just going to keep getting told that you're doing it wrong with every subsequent topic if you don't go back and fix that. And so that's partly a question of tools, right? You need you need the software to say this is where the kid went off, you know, went off the rails and and never got back on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you need you need the ability to you know give that kid the individualized attention that he needs. To, to fix that problem and, and catch them off. And then you also just, you know, I keep coming back to what you were saying about the, the motive for coming to school. Yeah. Um, I mean, you were talking about people, right? Like who are the, who are the, the people who care for me or the people whom I want to hang out with? Um, but it also has to be about, you know, a, a more direct connection to your future, like it needs, you know, instead of saying you need to learn algebra so that you can um, get to pre-calculus so that you can get into college, so that you can get a good job and make some money. And then when you retire at age, you know, 75, 
you get to do the things you want or in your spare time you get to do the things you want instead so you i'm i'm interested in, in learning more about what you know motivates you but one thing that i've already sort of observed is that you like competition mm-hmm. um so um and you like sports and so what does that say about possibilities for your future like um i don't, I don't know have you have you thought much about um about your you know what what you want what kind of job you you would most like to have mm-hmm. yeah i thought about it a lot because like i'm I I used to everybody want to be like this pro football basketball mm-hmm. star, but that's that's just not realistic. So I just I knew I knew that wasn't I knew I like to compete, but I knew like I just want to be successful. Period. Like, and I got to do what I got to do to be successful. Period. So I said I'm a chess person. So I know if football don't work out, I want I want to go to school for years for computer science. I want to learn as much as I want to learn about computers because I know. That's the future. It's nothing in the nothing in the future not gonna be nothing of it has to deal with a computer. Like it's nothing in the future that's not gonna deal with it. So if I if I invest my this so much time into it, like I know there's no way I'm not gonna be successful. Like I know there's no way I'm not. Unless something to stop me from it. But God forbid, but I'm just saying nothing not gonna stop me. Cause I know I know this is the way. I know future is technology. So if I got the understanding of it, yeah. What's going to stop me from being successful? So it's like a good chess move, yeah, um, to focus on technology because that's where mm-hmm. where the ball is moving to. To mix the sports metaphors, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not not saying that I wouldn't love to be pro football player, pro basketball player. Not saying that, but that's not something I'm striving for. Like I'm striving for, I'm striving to be successful. But with a lot of fallback plans on it. So if this don't work out, I got another goal. If this don't work out, I got another goal. If this don't work out, I got another goal. Yeah. Like to keep myself going, keep myself motivated, motivated, and staying focused, just to be successful. Period. Yeah. You said you mentioned Taiwan technology being the future, um, and you say something, Matt, in your article sources of hope for education technology in 2018, which we will link to in the show notes for. Um, for this episode. But you say if democracy is going to survive, we urgently need to find new tools and programs for the cultivation of empathy at every level of the educational system and I might add within leisure activities including video games and social networks. And the reason um this feels like a, an appropriate spot to just talk a little bit about empathy is that Taiwan your vision um right away, the sort of innovation you were bringing to the table with your vision for how the Taiwan Academy works, mm-hmm. I, I named it, I hope you don't, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, it was all about empathy. It was all about uh, love and uh, educators spending, I was almost envisioning a, a high school, a four-year high school where you even spend a year just connecting with your student yeah. body, um, not working on core academics, but worry about that in years three, uh, two, three, and four. Um, and that was really interesting to me. But but right away, your vision included uh, empathy and compassion. And um, this is something that's consistent whenever I bring young people to the show, is that um, I think there's a mistake 
in people's perception about where young people are right now at this point in time. And um, the mistake is that uh, they are sort of um, hardened to the situation around them, um, that uh, compassion, the empathy is not there, that they're sort of self-absorbed. Um, and I don't think it's true. And, and it came out in your vision uh, big time. And then um, Akbar, when, when you walk um, the halls with you at Westside High, um, there's, I over quote Marion Red Edelman, uh, on this show, but she's got the great, um, quote that you can't be what you can't see. And compassion is so part of the model when you walk with you in the halls. Um, I don't know if you know this, but one of the innovations that you bring uh, to that school is, is compassion and empathy and, and right. You, you, you certainly, uh, draw a hard line and there's a lot of respect for cook um you correct me if i'm wrong taiwan no it is but but people respect cook when you walk the halls uh but there's also a ton of compassion and empathy and um i wanted to ask you matt uh about that line and what you envisioned and and whether you have specific ideas for what that might look like um as somebody who invests in the technology, uh, what are the things that that excite you the most about what that might even look like? Well, I think one of the things that makes this discussion so exciting is it brings together four people who are coming from different places in their lives and different geographical and socioeconomic places and um, you know different experiences. And I think that everyone needs more of that, right? Um, that to the extent that you have um, kids just a you know a few miles away from your school um, who don't know anyone personally who's ever gone hungry, um, except when they were like fasting. <laughs> um, um, those people, I think, are impoverished spiritually and you know intellectually by not knowing what is going on around them and so having conversations uh that cross those boundaries would be good for everyone and you know i think that there it's obvious in american politics right now that one of our problems is a lack of empathy a feeling that if people are different from you in some way that it's okay to be cruel to them not recognizing the fact that we're all human beings and the differences between us are smaller. So it's like an, it's an urgent social problem. And when I see um, people in political life talking about nuclear war with Korea, North Korea, um, you know, and, and not even talking about the fact that there are tens of millions of innocent people who live in a dictatorship who would be blown up along with Kim Jong-un, mm-hmm. um, I find it just appalling that we can consider those people educated and even sort of authorities on politics and um, uh, military affairs Mm -hmm. when they are so spiritually bankrupt. Mm. Um, So what do we have to do? We also need to teach people the basics of civics, 
Like the fact that only 26% of all American adults can name all three branches of government, uh, you know, it's sort of obvious that even a lot of Congress people don't really understand what the judicial branch is for. Mm-hmm. And certainly the president does not. Um, if you don't understand, um, you know, the, um, the three branches of government, then you don't really understand your rights. And it's really important, as this last two years has made abundantly clear, that people do understand their rights and how, how their rights are related to their daily life. Like what, when, when their rights have not been respected or what kind of mechanisms they can use to change the way um, life in their neighborhood works. Yeah. We need empathy in order for American democracy to work. As to how we get there, I think there are tools and programs that can help a little bit. So I was just corresponding today with someone who runs a business called Pen Pal Schools that puts uh, schools in the U.S. in touch with schools outside the U.S., mm-hmm. uh, some of them in uh, ultra-poor um, parts of the world that make um, even um, – you know, the worst areas of Newark look, you know, relatively plush by comparison. And that that's a fantastic idea. I think there are things that one can do within video games, not just empathy, but, you know, collaboration, right? Collaboration is such a crucial skill. I think schools don't teach it because they're f- focused on individual achievement and measuring kids individually, but it's what employers want. And what I see my son doing when he plays uh, video games with his friend or does group chats on WhatsApp, um, he also likes to get together with his friends on Discord. Do you know mm-hmm. Discord? Yeah. yeah. Um, so is that another one of your favorite technological things? Uh, yeah, when I play the game, I, 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 I slow down on playing the game a lot. But when I play it a lot, yeah. Why do you like Discord as opposed to some other way of talking to your friends when you're playing a game? Uh, it's more accessible. And it's and it could be like cross platform. So my friend might not have an Xbox, but we still want to play. I mean, still want to talk to each other while we playing the game. It's shared different ideas about. We probably got two different systems, but the same game. So shared different ideas about the game. But yeah, and it's more accessible though. That's the main reason why it's, it's more accessible. Have you tried other um, group chat applications like WhatsApp or? Uh, I tried. You got Major League Gaming. You got, uh-huh. uh, it's like different forums and stuff. Like, people go up there and talk. Uh, not really Skype. Skype? Yeah, Skype. More so over the game. More mm-hmm. so like the in game, like mm-hmm. experience. I think, you know, it's important that we figure out how to use cell phones in education because mm-hmm. people, it's like, the way I sometimes put it is, it's like the information-seeking appendage of the young people. It's how they how they find things out and engage with the world and engage socially. And when I see my uh, my son on Discord playing a game with his friends, I think if only his school could find a way to engage him in that intense Mm -hmm. collaborative activity. We get them talking on Discord about a math problem when they're at home Mm -hmm. and do their homework together using Discord. I don't know, maybe it wouldn't work. But 
if we could find that kind of energy and engagement, uh, this would be a totally different educational system in a different country. Yep. When you were talking, Taiwan, about your uh, the issue of uh, being motivated to wake up in the morning, I was I was thinking to myself about the number of apps that are dedicated to helping people diet. Right. So like, you know, you want to you want to uh, stay on your New Year's resolution and lose that whatever, 30 pounds, um, 45, <laughs> 50 pounds. Uh, there's no shortage of technology to hook that human up with another human who's going to motivate them and, and push them to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we have not yet paid attention to. uh you know, uses of that same communication platform that would, you know, where, where you could log on. And, um, I was almost thinking I'm going to, um, well, uh, Taiwan and I are going to write up a business plan and pitch it to you, Matt, um, for, do you guys remember chat roulette? Chat roulette was awful, but it was basically like just a space where you'd hit a button and anybody who was connected to the internet who had their webcam on, you'd just be talking to some, and sometimes it was so, creeper and sometimes it was just like somebody in another zip code who wanted to talk uh, but as you were talking i was thinking you know there needs to be a version of chat roulette where um you and you know thousands of your peers who maybe they're living in communities like yours but maybe they're living in totally different um environments but all share the need to motivate each other uh, to get to school that day um, so that, uh, you know, they can do what they need to do so that they're contributing um, to their communities. Eventually, uh, there needs to just be a, a way for you to connect with those people that doesn't need to be your peers at Westside. It, it, yeah. uh, it's as close as the phone, which is probably, if you're anything like me, next to your bed. Mm-hmm. Um so that's what I was I was thinking as we were as we were talking is I don't think when we think about um, the wave of innovation at the moment, we tend to think about things that are not necessarily even with AI. Uh, so much of it is about uh, artificial intelligence. I don't think we've maxed out on how technology connects us as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much of what we've talked about here today um you know, makes me continue to think about that and, and think about how uh, you need to get that computer science degree so that uh, you can do some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Matt, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about your editorial was um, this was was written only a couple of months ago, but just since then, there's been so much happening in this country. And one of the things that... Um, I am I have very mixed feelings about obviously but one of the things uh that I think is really important about where we are right now uh comes out of what's happened in South Florida uh and the Parkland um tragedy. I I wonder if you've reflected all at all on the editorial that you wrote and whether you feel like um, there are either things that you would change or things that you feel even more adamant about at this juncture, um, given all that's happening in current events right now. Well, I didn't talk about school shootings in that essay, but it wasn't because I wasn't aware of them. When I was in graduate school, I was part of an effort to create a nonprofit that would 
bring Yale graduate students uh, into the high schools to do some assistant teaching. And it didn't totally work because none of us, including the guy who was running it, were as good at creating nonprofits, um, you know, or, or, you know, new um, social infrastructure as you are. But um, there was one uh, 10-day period when there were three different kids shot and killed from that high school um, while I was there. Um, So Parkland, unfortunately, is nothing new. We have a lot of shootings and a lot of shootings in schools in this country. That one happened to be the one that I think is the turning point in the political history of this country. But, you know, it had the right spokespeople. It was the right moment. Um, I guess, you know, the uh, first graders who were killed um, in Connecticut um, in another shooting with um, an assault rifle. And please don't lecture me on, you know, what AR stands for. Um, Those kids are uh, basically, you know, the kids at Parkland are the end of the Republican Party in Florida. It's it's done. Um, and that's that's in part because they were so well educated and you know the school is 25% African American. I didn't see any African American faces on the magazine covers. Um, you know it's it's not a new event. It's a new sort of coordinated um, powerful social media pushback. And the, those kids are just, um, I mean, what, what, what um, people in the NRA don't understand, and, and the, the GOP generally, is all of the horrible shit they say is ultimately just making those kids more powerful, right? It, it you know, calling them crisis actors keeps them in the news, right? They're not going away. Because it's the same technique that Trump uses. Um, he says something, um, you know, that people feel compelled to respond to. And so they keep him in the news. That was part of how he got elected. These kids are using that technique against them. Um, so I'm excited because I think that the Republican Party has just lost Florida, which means they've lost the presidency pretty much forever. Um, but the event itself was nothing different, right? Kids have been getting shot in and out of school, you know, every week for decades. That's just the way things work in this country. Yeah. Taiwan, um, you guys had a walk-in at Westside, right? Correct. Um, and I'm just curious to have you reflect a little bit on what that was like and uh what what you left from what what you left with on your mind from uh from that day and what's been happening um in the news recently well mainly from that day like i'm saying you do feel like sadness i am remorseful what happened but like my day wasn't really affected by it i don't feel like I don't feel like it made a big impact on all of us because it's like something that happened countless times already. Like, and it's not like it's happening at our area. So it's not like I'm so worried about that coming towards like towards me. But like most of all, most of all, I'm, I do feel remorse and like sadness for 
for them, but that happened around me like every day, every day. My friends every day. So it's it's not it's I would I'll say it's more so like numb numbness towards it than not like feeling remorse. But it's like more just numbness to it, like, all right, that what you trying to say? Um Do you feel like um young people in your community have any power to change gun laws in this country? Of course. I feel like anybody, anybody, anybody could do anything they want to do, no matter what situation they're in. So they, would they, though? I don't know. I wouldn't know the answer to that question. But I do feel like anybody had the power to do anything they want to do. First, I got to vote, right? It's... I hope New Jersey never again has a Republican governor or senator. Yeah. Um, because the Republican Party has operated hand in glove with the NRA for a long time, and the NRA is basically a terrorist organization. It the sec the Second Amendment says well regulated militia, mm-hmm. and somehow that has been twisted around by the GOP and by the Supreme Court to mean no regulation. No. Well-regulated does not mean non-regulated. The reason, it's not the money that the NRA gives to politicians, it's the mobilization of single-issue voters who pose a threat to Republican politicians in their primaries. And what they need is to face an opposing set of single-issue voters who are stronger and more numerous. Yeah. Um, Akbar, tell us about the walk-in. And um, starting with why was it a walk-in and not a walk-out? So Westside, we on a main strip in Newark called South Orange Avenue, and uh, we call it the number blocks. We got 14th Ave right there, 13th, and a lot of bad things used to happen on the number blocks. I'm not saying this now, but it's still some scary things that happen. And being uh, the champion for kids and their safety at the building, I just didn't feel comfortable knowing that all of America was going to be out at the same time. It just was asking for trouble. Now, we, like Taiwan said, I don't think that we may have a, uh, a shooter come in and shoot the building up. But I do fear for their safety when we let them out on the streets. So I didn't want to put them in harm's way, just televising that everybody was going to be out. So we did something that was beautiful. I mean, and getting back to what we was talking about, I, I cried. I mean, just just hearing those sounds. I'm a gun owner, right? I did it legally. And, but it's not for that. It was just, when I was doing it, it was like sport. It was like, you know, I, I want to be better than my friends. So we went there just with the little rifles, you know, you know, stuff like that. And then just like just regular. There's not nothing like like Matt said, an AR. You don't need an AR for anything. You know, not now. This is a zombie apocalypse or something like that, right? But um, so, so I remember the first time I went in. And her, I didn't have on my protective goggles and my uh, and my earmuffs and my earplugs, and I was so scared of the sound that was resonating through that 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 place the uh, the uh, the uh, the gun range I was at. I was so scared. I've never been that scared in my life, and I heard those same shots 
when they played it from one of the videos when the kids was hiding on the tables and I just couldn't imagine what they were going through. So it resonated with me. So I'm definitely uh, sympathetic to what was going on. But at that same breath, like Taiwan said, I'm losing kids like like it's, uh, that I know we losing them like monthly. Like it's not this. This is happening and it's happening more to them. They know more younger kids that are getting killed than I do at this point. Right. Because I'm in high school. So I'm not seeing the, the third grader like I didn't teach him in elementary school. So now they're up here. Oh, Johnny died at 17. I don't get to see all those Johnnies. I'm just going to see him now when they come to high school. But he know them from that age. So there are countless numbers that they're losing. So I was sort of numb, but I was more scared for them to go out there. I, like I said, again, will somebody come up and shoot? Probably not, but they're very in, uh, they're in harm's way for somebody hopping out of the car, beating them up, stabbing them, doing that, and then hopping back in the car and then going before and we get anything. So I couldn't bring them out there for that. I said, no, this is just too scary. So what we did was we brung everyone to the auditorium. We played all of the shootings. My babies that died in Connecticut, the uh, the one at the college, this right here, and we talked and showed the pictures of my Parkland kids that passed away. But we made it resonate with them, like you all have lost somebody. Because at first, um, the mass of them, I had to get them quiet. Like it was, uh, they did because it didn't. It was, it was numb to them. They yeah. they see this happen all the time. So I said, you've all lost someone. Think about them that you lost a gun violence and it all came down. You play some music, and we end up letting them out a little early so it was about 17 minutes we let them out 17 minutes early from school let off 17 orange balloons and that was our way but i just couldn't honestly you know let parents know that i'm sitting their kids out there putting them in harm's way when everyone in america knows everybody going to be out yeah. that's sort of the get back that i have to deal with on that level and it worked out for us and i, I think that you know now we talk about it um it's got to be some changes. Me as a, a administrator in the building, we talk about uh, fire alarms now. Why am I sending in 2018, as soon as it go off, I'm sending kids out. I'm not saying that it's not a dangerous thing, but now that we know these are happening, I have police in my building. I, I, I told Matt earlier, I said, not Matt, I told Mark earlier that if now alarm goes off and I didn't call it, my cops are going outside and maybe we'll go around the back because I have a big area. We go, we're not going on the street. That's just, it's just not. And that's what schools do. So that's what we do. We do two of these a month. I got to do a bomb threat. I got to do a, a active shooter. So we're doing it. They're making us do it, but it's still archaic in the way we're thinking. We sending kids to one central location. Like, no, that's, it has to change. So uh, being ahead a, a of the change or the trailblazer for change in my district, we're going to do something different when it's time for fire alarms. So you, we won't catch us slipping, as the kids say. You won't catch us slipping that way. So we're already talking about ways to uh, get my kids out of harm's way from a fire yeah. drill. It's, uh, I think it'll be eye-opening for a lot of people believe it or not that um there are schools in this country where they're a lot safer inside the school than they are uh in their neighborhood right outside the school um but i think this is a really important reminder of that um i don't want to uh i don't want to end the episode on uh without 
talking a little bit about um, the amazing community that's that is at West Side, and I think uh, people get wrapped up in the narrative of you know uh, schools that uh, you know go through periods that uh, where safety is an issue. And they love the, you know, the like uh, to sort of paint one picture of these communities um, when there's a lot of of intersectionality that I think we need to we need to consider. And when you go to West Side, there's an insane amount of love when you walk the halls uh, with you, Akbar. And and um, so I just wanted to end in a place where we talk a little bit about. Uh, what's incredible and happening in uh, the West Side of Newark and and at your school and um, you for starters um, I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, the you have like a, a Zen garden going yes. in the atrium of the school and yes. you have some spaces where yes. students can kind of cool out um, tell us about some of that stuff that's happening so they and and thank you Mark because it, it's not a lot of bad things a lot of great things going on great staff some of my best teachers are the ones like Taiwan said that care first day I'm hugging you and finding out what would you did this summer are you okay do you need anything that's the best teachers we, we all graduated from college if you're a teacher, right? So we all have that, but do you have that that heart that's going to push you over? Because that books that book knowledge means nothing if the kid is not listening to you. So that is big. My some of my most amazing teachers are the ones that care. So we have we have a lot of those, and we and we looking for more. Like I'm active. Like either you're going to. I said it like this. This is my motto. motto. I said teach like your kids. Go here or go where your kids teach. I mean, or go where you we teach. You go teach your kids. Mm-hmm. All right, because you can't. You got you got to you got to look at him like he's your own. That's yeah. my kid, yeah. locus parentis. An event, parent not there, I'm his parent. So you have to move that way. And the teachers that are more successful in my whole district are the ones that are doing that. But we have some amazing teachers there. So right now we have indoor and outdoor therapeutic space. I told you about some of the tragedies that we've had at the school. So we created spaces in the building to get that zen that Zen flow going on. So we have indoor therapeutic space that on Fridays turns to the lights on. We uh, that's where we put our video games. We got the uh, smart board project in there, and we uh, we we put the games up on the walls for them. But during the day, it's just a place for kids to unwind, talk to. We have some counseling uh, sessions there. So that's the indoor and outside. We have a koi pond. And right in the like, the, like you said, the atrium of the school, we got. A, I'm talking about with some koi ponds. It's pretty expensive too. Yeah. Uh, some koi ponds. I think flew all the way from Jap- Japan, and uh, it's a place when it gets warm, the kids can actually go out and have classes out there, science classes out there. It's a beautiful area. You saw it, and you know we, we usually we got a grill out there too. We get to cook, and uh, if we doing some stuff like that for the kids, um, we we are dual credited with NJIT. We have a, a cohort of kids that are taking dual courses right now in engineering at NJIT that a lot of folks don't know that we're doing at uh, Westside. Um, we're partnering with Google next year. We try to do a tech academy where we're going to start, start using some of the the curriculum that they have already on Google's uh, platform, talking about the IT, mm-hmm. trying to get kids to do that six-month uh, residency with 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 Google, and then they can end up uh, uh, becoming an IT person, be certified in IT. Also, we've been training our teachers to in Google, like the level one, the level two, so we can start getting other pe- people uh, to do the Google Classroom and yeah. being more. Yeah. We, we trying to go uh, paperless. So with the Chromebooks and now doing everything 
on you know as far on the Chromebooks, we are not we're getting away from the 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 old textbooks model, and now everything is up there. So if a kid miss or late or that I can already is on your Google Classroom. You can speak to me on the teacher. So we've been working with Google, the education department, on some of the things that we think is kinks that they're helping us out with. Um, uh, uh, Jersey Cares has been huge. I've been having uh, Jersey Cares coming with volunteers every Friday night for Lights On. They came and put all of these uh, wonderful uh, sayings on our wall on uh, on their holiday and just being more ins- like, like very inspirational uh, quotes um, from folks and uh, working with Jersey Kids with that getting a lot of volunteers I told you about Lights On we've been averaging about 260 in the fall and the winter so I can't imagine what the spring is going to hold for the kids coming out um, we have uh, like I said my basketball team won two back to back state championships my track team won the pin relays and they nationally ranked um, so we got some great athletes coming out of west side as I well you, i heard you guys got a decent basketball coach yeah yeah he's uh he's a pretty good guy <laughs> um we just uh on it tahir whitehead he's a, a rough rider that plays for the oakland raiders now we just retired his jersey uh last week well two weeks ago um it's a lot of exciting things and my community has been just just been uh just putting their arms around us and i can't talk more about uh the mcj amelia foundation who's who's been spearheading a lot of of the partnerships that we're having with Rutgers. So we found out that Rutgers Nork, if a kid makes less than 60,000, I mean, a parent makes less than $60,000, they can go to Rutgers Nork for free. So we've been funneling kids to Nancy Cantor over at Rutgers. And just a lot of wonderful relationships that we've been working on, and it's, and it's helping. And, 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 and the academics is coming up. I know I talked about a lot of the stuff that the barriers, but you have kids that are winning. And the ones that's not, it's our job to make sure they win on an even uh, playing field as well. I've been partnering with KIPP, New Jersey. They've been helping me a lot, a lot along the way. If they got best practices, why well, I'd want to say, oh, I don't like charter schools. I'm not doing that. I'm at the table with KIPP. I was at their function last week. They've been helping me out every step of the way because it's all North. We all, they, they're all our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yes, it's some bad things that's going on, some dangers that are out there every day. And I got the North Community Street team help me with safe patches to and from. Um, I wish somebody speak to the governor so he can talk to NJ Transit to get these uh, free and reduced bus tickets so every kid can get to school on time and free. Um, I don't know if it's a bus car with a picture on it so they parents, because that's what was happening. We was giving kids bus tickets, right? And then the parents uh, take it to go to wherever. So now the kid can't come because the parent used it. So maybe something like that. But I'm I'm talking my talk so they can get out there to everyone that's being the, the town crier till we uh, address some of these issues. But until we get more empathy in America, which Matt talked about, that's the reality of living in the urban areas. But I love Westside. I hope I retire there. Um, and I'm going to keep fighting that good fight. My my laundromat is opening in about two weeks. I'm going to have a big old unveiling. Oh, yeah. And I already got folks donating a ton of soap powder and stuff <laughs> like that. So I don't know. No we, Tide Pods. Yeah, no Tide Pods. So, yeah. So I'm excited. Guys, thank you so much for joining this conversation. I, I am uh, I feel uh, honored to be a platform where we can have it. Um and I know everybody's time here is extremely valuable. So, uh, so thank you for doing it here. Um, before we go, uh, if any of you guys have have things you want to uh, plug, point us to uh, Westside's uh, 
website, social media, anything that you want to... Uh, WestsideLightsOn.org. Lights on. L-I-G-H-T-S. Lights on. And Life Camp. You want to... Life Camp, yes. Plug so, Life Camp. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Greater Newark Life Camp. Uh, dot org. Um, we run a camp. We take about 325 kids from Greater Newark area. We bring them up to beautiful Pottersville, uh, right by Trump's uh, his uh, golf course of that area. Beautiful land. It's a day camp, but we take kids up there and we just give them a school like feel that is kind of hidden that they don't know about. And we've got a pool up there. Uh, we stay on the Johnson the Johnson Estate. Uh, it's Brady helped us out. So yes, it's, I've been doing that. I've been at Life Camp for. This is going to be my. 27th year i started off as a, a it's impossible a, a camp counselor and now I'm, I'm helping run it with my good friend eddie franz and the kids are amazing you're only 30 so i don't know how yeah i don't yeah <laughs> so <laughs> but we do life camp and that's another so i'm just i'm kids all around this is right, amazing right, that's right. like i'm, I'm, I'm with the kids all year round yes right. sir matt um how can we learn more about uh what's happening in educational technology and investments and and follow some of what your group does i think that there will be people who listen who want to know about um companies venture companies out there who um do see human innovation as being part of the equation let me instead recommend a book please which i think it poses a challenge to the state of schooling today and ask some really interesting questions and make some interesting suggestions. It's called Unschooling Rules. It's by Clark Aldrich. It's um, uh, under 100 pages, and I reread it frequently. It just has so many uh, neat ideas about how education can improve. I alluded to one of them earlier. He's got a chapter in which he lists a set of skills that don't get taught typically in high school that everyone needs to know. And you were talking about checking accounts and um, basic financial skills, but he goes on to list um, several dozen of them. Uh, One of them is um, how to work with a mentor. Another is how to estimate risk. Um, Project planning, planning a large complex project. So I recommend that book. Great, I will link to it in the show notes. Taiwan. Uh, any anything you want to leave us with? What's out the best out? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that coming. Maybe, uh, maybe you should tell people what kind of internship you'd be interested in, just in case anyone listens. That's a great idea. Wants to give you something. I did a couple of internships, housing authority, uh, and what else? I'll be interested in interning at Google. Uh, <laughs> you would say Google. Google, what else? Anyway, it wouldn't matter. I'd do anything. I'm up for the challenge. I'm, I'm just a person. You challenge me, I'm gonna push myself to, to get best at, to be the best at whatever you want me to do. I just what like the challenge. I like getting better, expanding my mind. So especially uh, Newark area companies, there are tech. Uh, there is a, a growing tech hub in Newark. Um, for those who get a hold of this episode, Taiwan is looking for you. Uh, I would be glad to connect you. Um, Taiwan, thanks so much for doing this. Guys, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. For more info about advertising with us, charitable sponsorship, or if you have show ideas you want to share with me, find me on Twitter at M.A. Lesser. 
No Such Thing is produced by me, Mark Lesser, a learner like you, and our show notes can be found at nosuchthingpodcast.org. The tracks in this podcast were produced by Leroy Tindy, a guest in episode one and Olympic fully clothed hotel pool swimmer. Find him on SoundCloud at Air Tindy Beats. This show would not be possible without support from the good people at Mouse, a national youth development nonprofit that believes in technology as a force for good. Find us online at mouse.org.